Hey y'all, welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, and I've got one for you right here. The Wolf Woman of Davis Avenue Mud tasted like peanut butter pie. Or at least, it tasted like the Julia Child forsaken recipe bastardized by Bobby's mother each and every holiday and mixed with Alabama red clay, sprinkled with a broken tooth, then drizzled with blood from a self-bitten tongue. The mouthful of wet grit brought the lights on in his spinning brain. A dog, a big mutt, barked violently just behind him, and the merciful chain link clinked between them. Bobby Marchand spat a fist-sized muck into the night, rubbed at his tender chin, and glanced back at the brindle pit bull who chased him into the gymnastics that landed him on his artisan-blown glass jaw in the neighboring yard. Easter week was always a burglar's boon, especially beginning Good Friday as families traveled for hometown services and reunion feasts. Passover week in 1971, the homes on Davis Avenue emptied early when a rash of phone reports to the mobile register sparked a paranoia in Plateau that scattered superstitious mill workers and gullible longshoremen to the spare bedroom safety of grannies securely outside the city limits. Local amateur zoologists, mostly Murphy High School sophomores and juniors, detailed sightings of a heretofore unseen species in the already biodiverse Tensaw River Delta, and an entire community found quick reasons to get gone for a few days while the truth of the matter revealed itself. Bobby kept a newspaper subscription for just this kind of information. As with any profession, burglary succeeded best with thorough research and planning, and the well-documented hubbub around a Scooby-Doo sketch of the purported beast virtually guaranteed a smorgasbord of unattended jewelry boxes and lonely pistols all just longing to fall into his sack. The only monster Bobby believed in was King, or Killer, or whatever some bewhiskered, beer-bellied dad christened that still-bellowing dog that so wanted a taste of him. He grinned through the mud in his teeth, gave the finger to the frustrated beast. The house in the yard where he landed remained dark despite the alarm raised by the barking. Time to get to work. A flathead screwdriver from his belt spiked the back door window, and a quick reach inside found the locks and gained entry to the kitchen. Bobby knew floor plans better than most architects, and he beelined for the bedroom. Everybody kept their valuables near where they slept. Stuff meant security, and security meant sleep. Research. A browning 9mm waited in the drawer of a bedside table, and a varnished wood mini-chest on the dresser held a dragon's hoard of costume jewelry, the like of which always held at least one or two real family heirlooms, sure to impress an unethical pawnbroker to the tune of twenty or thirty bucks. He raked the greening rope chains and gaudy rings into the bag like leavings from a toddler's meal onto a dustpan, and paused after the tinkling of metal settled something. Chills rippled up the backs of his arms and at the edge of his scalp. He wasn't alone anymore. Bobby's instincts perfected themselves over a hundred dark nights skittering through the halls of other people's homes. They never failed him. He froze in place, cut his eyes to the bedroom doorway. Nothing. His hand dropped to the pistol in his sack and pushed the safety off as it lifted to aim at his only way out. 
breath stopped between his teeth. The sound in his head competed with the silence he needed to reveal his unseen companion. Seconds passed with no oxygen. Then, from the den, pitter-pattering footpads from more than two legs. That damn dog! Bobby advanced into the hallway, trigger half-depressed, goodie bags secured behind him, ready to pull the ugly bitch at first glimpse. The sound of her movements disappeared, and that was more disconcerting than even the expected violence. Light wasn't necessary to navigate the house, but the darkness shrouded the dog's position and how Bobby should handle the next moments. He was short some air from the silent breath-holding, and anxiety flashes interrupted the black of his vision. The pit bull barked again outside, across the yard. Shit. An exhale bum-rushed his lips. Shit! Composure gave way and he stutter-stepped into the den behind the shaking gun. The barking escalated, and a light from the backyard pulled his attention. A rifle report ended the barking with a whining yelp. Bobby involuntarily dropped to a knee, head tucked onto his chest and hyperventilated. Outside, the chain link complained in metallic whines as something big came over, heralded by strobing light. Inside, inhuman feet stepped into the dark again. Terrified, Bobby fired there. In that split instant, the image in the muzzle flash imprinted permanently on his occipital lobe. An animal reared there near the front door, panicked by the gunshot, its forelegs up in a combination intimidation-defense maneuver. Gray-brown hair pelted the wolf in haunches in midsection, softened to velveteen down on otherwise human breasts with the perk of Hugh Hefner's favorite Miss December. A long mane of brunette framed the bosom beneath a slender neck extending to the delicate face of a human female, and a comely one. The thing growled, low in the dark after the shot, but more the growl of an empty belly than a bloodthirsting monster. It was the thing from the paper. And it was real. Bobby tried to retreat and shoot the pistol again, but the booming surrender of the donkey-kicked back door spun him around. Hair-triggered, he shot at the man-sized dog-murdering silhouette in the threshold, struck its right shoulder just as it returned fire in the unmistakable register of a .30-06 round. Bobby scanned his pain receptors in the most vital areas of head and torso, but they were convinced the bullet missed him. Bold, then, he aimed and pulled the trigger again. His stomach sank when the empty pistol clicked impotently, and dropped inches more when the shrill whistle of pain to his rear reminded him there was still a bestial rock opposite the rifle-wielding hard place ahead. You got an empty chamber, boy, the shooter yelled. That bitch is mine. Surrender the kill to me and you can walk out of here. The shadowed man advanced a couple of steps. Behind and from the floor, the wolf woman released a slurred shushing sound. The primal energy of the hissing lisp rang more of threat than fear. She was cornered, injured, and ready to fight. Bobby stood weaponless between the hunter and quarry, unable to tell which was which. He gathered a breath, sidestepped left. O okay, he tried. I'm, I'm walking. She, it, is right behind me. Her musk betrays her position, the hunter said. She's in heat and on the prowl. 
The living room voided the instant Bobby moved out, and the hunter stepped into it rifle first. With each step, he grunted in pain from Bobby's shot. The front door bumped, and the shush hiss loudened. The wolf woman had nowhere to go, and her killer knew it. He activated the flashlight in his offhand beneath the barrel, spotlighted his prey flat and bleeding against the floral wallpaper around the locked exit. Her eyes turned down and away in light blindness. The hunter, Bobby saw the camouflage on his outfit then, hesitated and spoke as if to define the moment. I was right. There are things in this world man don't supposed to know about. Abominations unto God. And I've been chasing them in black woods and winter gullies with no kills. But here you are, looking just like in the newspaper. And bitch, you're mine. The man surely intended to pull the trigger at that very second in some dramatic finale, but the wolf woman whipped her front half at him in centrifugal fury, well under the wound-aired shot that came too late. He fired again in freefall, the beast's teeth and foreclaws tearing at his upper leg in grunting, screeching fervor. The flashlight dropped with the abandoned rifle to illuminate the carnage. The hunter, come hunted, swiped at her, but the purchase of her fangs in his thigh meat was unmoved by the blows. Blood spurted from the ragged maw with force, and the drained man's resistance dissolved rapidly as his oxygen supply painted crimson the walls and floors of this stranger's house. Transfixed by the spectacle, Bobby forgot his own danger until the wolf woman turned pin-pupil eyes up at him as she gnawed on her kill with satisfied groans. He didn't know whether to bolt or hold still, so he didn't neither. Slowly, painfully, he knelt and switched off the flashlight. The creature's slurping feed continued on as his eyes adjusted to the new dark, and he lowered to sitting while she finished her meal. Pose no threat, he told himself. Three times in all the years of his career, residents discovered him at his duties in their homes, and three times he relaxed stood down, and posed no threat. Each one let him go without violence. His only gambit there in the kitchen of the wolf woman was to reassure her he was but a harmless interloper, and she too would let him go on his way. The thing relaxed on its haunches in the shadowed room and enjoyed a solid pound of man flesh before chewing its last morsel and turning its full attention to Bobby. Its reflective eyes caught more light than the windows gave, and they grew as she walked to him, her shushing, then easy and slow. The copper tinge of blood preceded her in the air, but Bobby staved off the flinch reflex to hold her gaze and hope her belly was full. Something else glinted in the wan light and the calm, something artificial in the felt of her neck with that subtle luster of precious metal. She drew her face up to his. He realized the shushing issued from nose and mouth as she took his scent and licked it from the air. Blood drizzled from her vibrating chin as he tried not to breathe, but he held her gaze and made no expression. Beyond the hunter's tissues on her lips, she smelled of wet earth and wetter dog. That pungent mix clenched Bobby's throat tight, and he held her gaze. She lapped gingerly at the crease of his neck and chin like a playful lover. The sensation started goose flesh on his arms in a bizarre combination of sensory delight and disgust. But when she had his scent, 
When she tasted his intentions and stepped safely away, he held her gaze. The wolf woman retreated in reverse to the smashed back door, never forfeiting their shared stare. There she looked a moment longer, then whirled as she whirled when she felled the hunter and ran into the night. Bobby inhaled for the first time in minutes, a rugged gasp that didn't deter him from immediately looking at his right hand. That trusty thief's mitt held the treasure from the wolf woman's nape, a chain of tarnished gold braided and triplicate plait, and hung with a broken locket, its facing lost. A young woman looked past him in sepia tones from what remained of the piece, her smile flat and bored in the style of old photos on the walls of pretentious restaurants. Above her high lace collar, long tresses gently fell to each side of her pretty blood-sparse face, the face of the wolf woman. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, The Wolf Woman of Davis Avenue, written by Kevin Laporte, narrated and produced by Amanda Rachels. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Ain't No Such Thing wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. We also have a Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash ain't no such thing, where you can support the podcast for as little as $2 a month and get a lot of extra content, including extra stories, movie reviews, Skype sessions. Y'all, I apologize if I sound funny in this episode. Unfortunately, I'm under the weather. It just comes with the winter. You know how it goes. If you'd like to know more about the legend of the Wolf Woman of Davis Avenue, check out our previous episode in which Kevin Laporte and I did a deep dive on the history of mass hysteria and this particular legend. It goes hand in hand. As always, y'all take care. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another one for you real soon.